Fine, so good evening. We're in chapter three, a long chapter three, and we are on the fifth preface, the Hakdama Hachamishis, which is about knowing how Hashem runs the world in such a way or, or, or created the world in such a way that we have to go through various different stages and steps in order to procure our needs. If you remember, at the beginning of this Hakdama, of this uh, fifth preface, we were given the, the metaphor of the water wheel. And the water wheel is connected to the, the animal who's pulling it with a rope. And it's sort of like the metaphor for how we get our needs met. Uh, we have to go through various different stages and steps in order to get what we need. And we spoke about why the world was made that way, and we said there are two reasons. One is to, uh, to test us. The other is to keep us busy, because uh, if we had nothing but leisure, you know, we might uh, become decadent and uh, go on the wrong path. However, we said righteous people, those two reasons don't apply to them. They don't need to be tested. And uh, they're not going to waste their time if they're given, uh, if, if they're not burdened with having to make a living. So where that leaves us, and it's, it basically begs the question, which is where we're at right now, is, well, well hold on a second. Um, I've seen righteous people who, um, who struggle to make a living. And I've seen wicked people who seem, seem to be very, very successful materially. So how are we supposed to explain that? And that's where we're up to right now. And Rebbeinu Bechaya is going to now enter into a discussion of the classical, uh, the classical question of, you know, why do bad things happen to good people, right? The, 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 the question of theodicy. How can, good thing, how can bad things happen to good people in a world run by a God who is all good and all knowing and all powerful? That kind of stuff. And of course, the point of this is not to get into a philosophical discussion. I want to be very clear about what is happening here. This, the Chavis Olavavis, is not hakira, it's not philosophy, although in many, in many ways he uses the language of philosophy. This is Musa, this is, this is uh, ethical guidance to refining ourselves and, and having the right priorities in life. So, um, we're not here for the philosophical discussion of why the bad things happen to, to, to good people. The reason it's coming up is because Rabbeinu Bechayi just made an assertion, and there's something that all of us all of us observe, which would be an apparent uh, refutation of that assertion, and so therefore it has to be dealt with. Okay, is the, it's so far so good. We're we're clear. This all makes sense. What's happening? Okay, if you're watching live, you can re reply in the in the chat box. You can tell me no, that doesn't make sense. I don't know what you're talking about. You could say I don't remember what chapter we're on. You could say five prefaces. I don't even remember the first four. Whatever you want, but uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. 
Okay, going once, going twice. Sold American. Okay, let's continue now in the text. The im ye marho emer, and if one may say, hine anachnu rayim, behold, we see, miktas tzadikim, some righteous people, leyes damelehem tarpom, they don't have their sustenance met, ela achreya amal vahayigia, except after great toil. It's not like Hashem is delivering it to them right on their doorstep. They have to work for it. And in contrast, we see many sinful people, that they, they live lives of tranquility, and they live lives, they pass their lives in prosperity and comfort. So we say, what do we say to this? This is not a new question. The prophets... And the pietists already inquired into this problem. Mehem Misha Amr. Some of them formulated the question like this, as follows. Why do the ways of the wicked prosper? That's from Yirmiyo. The Amr Ha'acher. And then another one formulated the same question like this. Lama Sareni Oven Va'amol Tabit V'shoid V'chomas Lenegdi. Why do you show me wrongdoing and look upon vice? Violence and oppression are before me. There is strife and contention arises. The Amr and another one formulated the question. The wicked is surrounding or surpassing the righteous. The Amr and another one formulated it. Why keep silent, speaking to Hashem, when the wicked man devours one more righteous than he? The Yomar and another one formulated it thusly. Such are the wicked ever at ease, they increase in wealth. The Yomar and another one formulated it. In vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been constantly afflicted, and I am chastened every morning. And another one said, speaking about the men of his generation, They have tried, they've tested God, they pushed their luck with God, and they got away with it! And there are many, many passages like this. Ach, however, the prophet, meaning not one specific prophet, but none of the prophets, uh, addressed the answer here. In other words, many, many, many people have asked this question throughout time. And yet, nobody says, oh, I know the answer. Yeah, okay, let me explain it. I'll explain it. Nobody did that. Why? Because the reason for all the different tzaddikim who are tested, and the reason for all the rishoyim who have a good life in this world, each reason is different than the other. In other words, there's no one catch-all answer. If there would have been one answer, this is, by the way, what the Nether Bakaydish says, if there would have been one guiding principle, one explanation, oh, why do the wicked prosper? Oh, why do the, the, the righteous suffer? Oh, here's the reason. Then, the, then 
at least somebody would, would have given that answer out of all the times that question was asked. But that's not what happened. Rather, the question was asked more rhetorically. It was asked like, like a complaint, but not expecting an explanation. No explanation was given because there is no one explanation. So, rather, what, what's, what's the answer? It's an, it's, it's an answer, not an explanation. Lochein, therefore, heir al the prophet just said, The concealed things are for Hashem, our God, and the revealed things are for us and our children. In other words, it's an answer, it's not an explanation. The explanation is, I don't have one set explanation for it. Concealed things are to Hashem and the revealed things are for us. We don't know, it's, it's beyond us. It's not something that humans know. That's it. The Yomar HaChacham Similarly, the wise man said, Im Oishik Rosh Vegezel Mishpat Vetzadik Tireh Bamedina Al Tismal If you see oppression of the poor and denial of justice and right in a country, do not wonder at his will. In other words, Fregnish, don't ask. By the way, you know about the Jewish businessmen they went out for lunch, and one of them said, ask me, how's business? The other one says, come on, this is our lunch break, I don't want to talk about business. He says, no, 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 but if you ask me, how's business, then it's a business lunch, and we could write it off. <sighs> okay, fine. How's business? Oive, don't ask. <laughs> okay, so why do the righteous suffer? Why do the wicked prosper? Don't ask. The concealed things are for Hashem to know. The revealed things are for us to know. We, we don't know. Don't ask. And don't ask doesn't mean, it's not a push-off like, uh, it, well, if you don't know, I'm certainly not going to tell. <laughs> it's, it's, you think there's a simple answer? It's not. There's no simple answer. I always love the people who have simple answers. I always love the people that know exactly why bad things are happening in the world. They figured out exactly what it was, what Hashem's cheshben was. They always know exactly why things... Okay, anyways. Rebbeinu Bechaya continues. The imkolzeh, and notwithstanding what I just said, I'm going to kind of go back on what I just said. <laughs> I think it's proper to suggest some explanations of this matter, which will at least to some extent be satisfactory. In other words, it's not a, contradi it's not a contradiction to what Rabbeinu Bechaya has said already. There is no one answer. However, in fact, he's going to prove his point. There are so many different possible answers. And it's not just that there's, it could be one out of all of them. It's the intersection between them. There's so many different factors, and they could be overlapping, and, and the whole thing is so complex. So for us to try to reduce it to one explanation, ah, this is, it's way more complicated than that. And then Rebbeinu B'chai is going to give us a glimpse into how complicated it is. Okay? Not so simple. Like we say. Okay. V'aymar. Um, um, I suggest the following reasons why the opportunity to obtain his livelihood without trouble and trial might be 
withheld from a righteous man. Might be. Again, even these are not definitive. These are just suggestions. It gives us a, 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 a we begin to appreciate the complexity of this whole sugya. Okay. One suggestion. It may be the consequence of a previously committed sin for which he is paying now the penalty. The righteous get their penalty here on earth. It's better to be punished right up front. You know, you can pay now, you can pay or you can pay later. It's better to pay now than to pay later. Okay, that's one explanation. All right. Sometimes it's in accordance with the principle of compensation in the world to come. Like it says, to do you good at your latter end. So Hashem, without asking our consent, because we probably wouldn't consent, um, trades us some pain now for a great deal of reward later. And it's a good exchange rate. Again, we wouldn't be willing to do it probably if he asked us, but th thank God he doesn't ask and he just does it and it, and it ends up being good. Okay. V'yesh in another scenario, Sometimes it's to demonstrate his patience and positive outlook, meaning the person who's being tested in the service of the Creator, may he be exalted, so that other people might learn from him, as is known to you from the case of Eov, of Job. Job was the great example. In fact, it's interesting, it's, I don't know what, we, I don't know what Parsha will be when you watch this on replay, but those who are watching this live, right now is Parsha Shlach. Parsha Shlach, it's very interesting. One of the things Meishu Rabbeinu says is go find out if they still have trees over there, the tree, the eights, is really the tzaddik. It's talking about the schus of Eov, who was the tzaddik there in, in, in Eretz Canaan at that time. And um, actually, they were mourning for him when, uh, when, the, when the Meraglim came into Eretz Canaan. So Eov is a great example of someone. He wasn't being punished. He didn't do anything wrong. But he's, he, he was chosen to be held up as this great example for uh, as one who was able to endure his his tribulations with with grace, and so that could be the reason. Okay, you didn't do anything wrong. You're not being punished. It's uh, you, you were chosen to be an example of somebody who who deals with who, who shows grace under pressure. Okay. Sometimes it's a totally different thing. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the wickedness of the generation. And the Creator, may he be exalted, tests the good man with poverty, want, sickness, so forth, in order to exhibit his piety and devotion in the service of God. In contrast to the conduct of the others. Kameshin Emelech, it says, But it was our sickness that he bore, our pain that he suffered. Meaning, it wasn't his own pain, it wasn't misery that he caused on himself, but rather he was the one who absorbed the pain on behalf of the generation. Sometimes it's 
Sometimes it is because of his failure to demonstrate zeal for God's cause and exact punishment from his contemporaries. Kameshia Daita, like you know, Me'inyan Eli, Uvanov, like the story of Eli, the Kain Gadol, and his sons, Sha'amar Bahem Akosov, the Torah says about them, Anyone who's left in your house will come to bow low to him for a bit of money and a loaf of bread. And that was because Eli didn't uh, set his sons straight when they were acting in a way which was improper. So it was nothing that he did himself. And, and these are just, uh, how many reasons we give? Uh, five, five examples of reasons why a basically good person may suffer and it's not because he did terrible things and being is being punished for it um right so what do we say he, maybe he did a sin previously and hashem just wants to clear it up right now you know let him let him pay it up front instead of it you know instead of carrying it with him uh sometimes it's in order to get that exchange rate to have a little bit of pain right now in order to have much more reward later uh sometimes it's so everybody can see what a great guy he is, like Eov, you know, Hashem can hold this guy up as an example. Uh, sometimes it's to contrast him with the other people to show how wicked they are. And sometimes it's because nothing he did wrong, but something he, he could have done more because of his, he's being judged more uh, meticulously because of his leadership position. He could have done something to correct others and he didn't do it. Okay, so those are all reasons why a tzaddik might have uh, a difficult time in this world. And, and, and specifically what we're trying to explain is why Hashem might withhold or make it difficult for him to, uh, to earn a living. Okay, so that, that's, that's an explanation. All right. Now, what do we have left to explain? The flip side of this. Okay, that's, that's some reasons why a righteous person might suffer. And again, I say some reasons, and I say might. Not these are all the reasons, and not this is for sure the reason every time or any time. Okay? Again, it's very complex, and that's Rabbeinu Bechai's main point. All right. But now we have to talk about reasons, some reasons, why a wicked person might prosper. Okay. Regarding the favor that God does for a wicked person. Could be that happens on account of a previous good deed which Hashem rewards him for in this world. Like it says, he pays his enemies to their face to destroy them. He pays them up. And uh, the early ones translated it as He repays his enemies during their lifetime for the good that they've done before him, so to destroy them. There's a story I think the Rebbe was once on a train with the Friedrich Rebbe. And the Friedrich Rebbe gave a huge tip to the porter. And the Rebbe sort of was, was wondering. And uh, like 
looking like like he was wondering why why that why the Nefeder Rebbe did that. And the Nefeder Rebbe said something like, "He should be completely paid off." Like they were leaving the train already. It wasn't to get better service from him. They were leaving. They weren't going to see the guy anymore. He gave him a big tip. In other words, if a person did a favor for a tzaddik, this could be a big schus for him. Apparently, the Fidik Rebbe knew something about this guy. He didn't want him to have such a schus. So whatever, whatever claims that his mazel might have in the, in the Bezdin Shomayla, he's, he's been paid up already. No further claims. Okay, debt canceled. All right. By the way, not exactly like this, but a similar thing. You know, there's a story about um, there was once a guy, a rich guy, and he wouldn't give tzedakah. And they asked him for tzedakah one time. Forget which gutayid the story was about. Maybe somebody knows. It could it could could remind me. But they went to get tzedakah from him, and he went, "No, I don't give tzedakah." And they said, "Well, why not?" He says, "Because the the, the I don't believe in Torah. I don't believe in any of this stuff." They he, they said, "Why don't you believe?" He says, "You know why I don't believe? I'll tell you why. Because the second paragraph of Shema says, im shemaya." Tishmun, if you listen to Hashem, then you're going to get blessed. He says, look at me, how blessed I am. I'm the rich guy, and I'm not from, and you're, you're all from, and you're poor. You're begging for me. So that's why I say it's all hui. So the, the tzaddik, whoever it was, says to him, how do you know it says that? He says, what do you mean, how do I know? Because it says, no, but where did you see it? I mean, how do you know that's what it says? He says, I don't know, because, you know, that's the Shema. I said, but how do you know what it says in Shema? He says, when I was a kid, I used to say Shema. He says, ah, well, there you go. <laughs> now, now you're still wondering why, why you're rich? Hashem is rewarding you. He's paying you. You said Shema as a kid? Okay, so here's the reward for that. But don't think that there's any more reward waiting for you because you're getting paid up, up front. And uh, like all good stories go, the guy was floored by this, and he realized, and he, he did chova, and I don't remember who it was about. Anyways, somebody, someone can t- remind me who the story was about. Um, yeah. All right, let's continue here. Another reason why a wicked person might prosper. Sometimes the wealth is placed in his charge like a deposit, until Hashem, may he, be, may he be exalted, gives him a righteous son who is worthy of it. Like it says, yilbosh. He prepares it, but the righteous man will wear it. And it says, But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and amassing to hand it over to one who is good before God. So he's amassing it now. It's really not for him. It's for his son, or his descendant who is going to be worthy of it. Okay. And by the way, sometimes it doesn't say it here. Sometimes it's to amass it for somebody else. You know, like the story of Yosef Micah Shabbos. Everyone knows Yosef Micah Shabbos. First of all, it's a Gemara, but also it's a Yom Tefeh song that Avram Fried recorded on Yiddish Gems, so everybody knows it. Yosef Micah Shabbos, right? So the rich neighbor, he, he put all he, he put all of his assets into the jewel. He put the jewel in his in his little hat, and the hat flew overboard, and the fish ate it. And Yosef Micah Shabbos got the fish, right? So this guy was was rich, but he was only rich in order so he could consolidate all that wealth and then give it to Yosef Micah Shabbos. Okay. The Efshe Shetia Sibag Dela She Besibais Moisei Verosei Kameshikosov Oishe Shomer Lebaylov Lerosei. Also, his wealth may. Proved to be the primary cause of his death 
or undoing. As it says, there's an evil affliction that I have observed under the sun, wealth reserved for its owner for his misfortune. So it is not a blessing. His wealth is not a blessing. It is a curse. That definitely happens. We see that for ourselves. Okay, let's continue here. I want to just finish off the reasons why a wicked person may have uh, prosperity in the material sense. It may be that Hashem, maybe he exalted, is patiently waiting with him until he repents and becomes worthy of his good fortune, like the example of Menashe, the king. Melech Menashe, he started off as a bad guy, and idolatry was rampant, and then uh, he became a good guy, and he was Zecheh to Elam Haba. So it wasn't what he did yet, it was, it was what he was going to do, and he was going to become worthy of the blessings. Okay. Sometimes it's an account of the past piety of his father. We said before, he may be holding on to the wealth to give it down to his son, or it could be he's the son who's getting it from his father. Yehu ben Nimshi was a, was a good king, a king of, of, of Yisrael. And he destroyed the evil kingdom of Achav. So, so he, did, he did a good thing there, uh, Yehu did. So it says about him, Four generations of your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel. So even if his kids and his kids' kids and his kids' kids' kids would not be so good, but their great-grandfather was good, so they got the uh, legacy in, right? It says, He who walks in integrity as a saint, blessed are his children after him. It says, I've been young and now I'm grown old, but I've never seen a righteous man forsaken or his children begging bread. The children may not be tzaddikim, but the father was a tzaddik, so the children get a pass. Okay, and th that could be the case. Not, again, not the explanation every time we're, we're saying. The whole thing is complex. It's not always the same explanation. But sometimes you see somebody, oh, that guy's a Russia. Why is he, get, why is he prospering? If, uh, if, if, if Hashem is supposed to remove the burden of making a living from those who don't need that burden in their lives, and he should put it on those who do need it. So, okay, well, one explanation could be his, his father uh, earned that it should be good, not just for him, but for many generations. Okay. Sometimes it's in order to try those who are deceptive and inwardly evil, who when they observe the prosperity of the wicked, hurry to turn away from the service of God and hasten to win the favor of the wicked and to learn from their actions. So too the man who is pure toward God is identified and the man loyal in his service is recognized. Through his forbearance at a time when the wicked rule over him and humiliate him. For this he will receive reward from the Creator. May he be exalted. As you know from the account of Ilio and Izevil, and from the story of Yemio and the kings of his time. So those are the explanations of some possible factors in this incredibly complex, hidden, and ultimately 
unknowable to us, unknowable uh, reason why Hashem does what Hashem does. At any rate, again, this is not a philosophical treatise that wasn't the point or the intention. We just needed to get that issue settled so that we could move on. The main point remains what we had said before, that Hashem makes many different steps between us and getting our needs met. But if a person is righteous, then generally speaking, those reasons won't apply to him and it's unnecessary for Hashem to burden him with going through all those different steps in order to get his needs met. I'll share, you, we'll share with you one last uh, vort connected to this. There's a chesidish avort. I think it's from the Pelach HaRimayn. We say in, in Tehillim, Hashlech al Hashem, Hu Cast your burden on Hashem and He will sustain you. Hu Kalecha, like to sustain. So like in a, in a Brachem Ein Shalash and in Alamichya, Alamichya ve'ala Kalkola. Kalkola means sustenance. So Pelach HaRimayn says, Hashlech al Hashem, Kalecha, also could mean Lashen Keli. That Hashem will make your Keli. So not only will Hashem give you the brachas to put into the cup, Hashem will give you the cup. You won't even have to do the natural things. Hashem will take care of that part too. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll continue tomorrow night. We'll see you all tomorrow night.